Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with you guys today. I have my co-host Ben here, and we have been out beating the summer heat, enjoying some time outdoors, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, before we share with you guys what we've been up to and encourage you guys to to go do the same, I just want to take a minute to thank the people that have been listening, mm-hmm. and, and more importantly, the people that um, have reached out to us uh, and, and given us encouragement and thanked us for what we're doing or uh, shared with us what they've learned. Um, we've had people through social media reach out to us, um, people that we know through text, or even some people that we've ran into in public just sharing that they've been listening uh, with their families. And uh, each and every one of you, we're truly thankful that you take time out of your busy life and your busy schedule to turn it on and, and listen uh, to Ben and I. It's hard for us to believe when we when we look and see how many people are listening um, that anybody would listen to us, but we're so thankful not only that you are listening, but that you're encouraging us along the way. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your constructive criticism. Thank you for your support, um, financial, even by just listening, just, again, giving your time up um, to listen to us. So we are so grateful for that. We're so thankful for that. And uh, we hope to, to be able to continue to do this. Absolutely. So, Ben, what what do we... What have we been out doing? It's hot. It's summer. There's some things that uh, aren't really so fun to do right now, but there are some things that uh, we really, really enjoy to do this time of year, and let's let's talk about it. Let's jump in. It doesn't matter what the season is. We love to fish. We do. We're going to fish when it's cold. We're going to fish when it's perfect. And if they've listened, they've probably figured that out about us. Exactly. And we're going to fish when it's hot, and that's what we decided to do. So something that you and I love to do um, when it's hot and to combine the heat with fishing is to wade fish. Oh, that cool water feels good it does on a feel hot really summer good. day. Yeah, because not only are you in the water, um, if you decide, you can go get all the way in. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Dunk right in you if just you want get to. Right in. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we, by accident. Sometimes. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, wade fishing is, is so amazing because you are as close to creation as you, as there is i mean you're you're just standing on it you're in it you're by it right you're um yeah you're fishing a lot of times you and i are fishing we're we're seeing fish that we want to catch at our feet that's cool <laughs> yeah wa- watching them bite all, all that is really mm-hmm. cool so wade fishing in the summer is is so great because we don't have to wear waders waders are a device that people can wear that's going to keep your legs dry um, they can go all the way up to your hip or full chest but for us we're literally going out with none of that yeah, let, let's be really clear on what wade fishing is. Let's let's dive in and define it. Are we fishing with a guy named Wade? Could. Could. You could. You know a guy named Wade? <laughs> hey, Wade. No, we're, we're actually getting in the stream. We're getting in the river. We're walking in the water um, up to your knees, up to your waist. Uh, sometimes we may even swim if it's too deep, if, if there's a spot we think we need to get to, to to catch some fish or explore. So you're actually getting in the river. You're interacting uh, with that river, you're standing, you're casting, reeling, everything right there in the river, tying your baits. You need to have it all on you out in, out in the water, and we'll get kind of more into how we go about that 
um, as we go through here today. But there are some different types of that, right, Ben? And those are basically what you're describing with waders or not. And when would you choose each of those? You know, it's, it's water temperature and, and, well, outside temp as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you and I, we, um, well, actually, you surprised me. You know, I wore Chacos. Mm-hmm. So I wore a sandal, any kind of sandal that's going to stay on my foot. Right. Um, you flipped it. You d- you, well, you definitely want to wear something on your feet. There you go. I guess you don't have to, but it is wise to wear something on your feet. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't wear Chacos. I have before. Mm-hmm. I love Chacos. Um, I've you can buy water shoes. Um, I've found most of the time water shoes fail me. Yes. Um, they're not very comfortable. You usually end up hurting. They don't really protect you from much, and they don't keep much out from your foot from your arch. Right. right. So I really like to wear old tennis shoes, and taking it up even further, um, I like to wear socks with them. Um, you know, and I actually got this from my dad. I can remember being a kid like. What are you doing? You you look like a you look like a who's wearing uh, <laughs> wearing socks and shoes in the river. Mm-hmm. Then as I got older, I I started to learn. You know, my my dad might be onto something here, and, and now I do it myself. But the the socks add that little bit extra protection because you you are going to get a little bit of gravel in your shoes. So wearing actual shoes, you're walking on uneven, tough terrain underneath that water. Um, it does kind of protect your your feet and ankles. And I do have. A lot of injuries from sports to my ankles right. and feet. Uh, I even suffered with pl- platter, plantar fasciitis for several years, and that was actually from, uh, this is kind of an embarrassing way to, to have this injury, but from waiting tables, being on my feet so much on those hard floors, I would buy really cheap Walmart tennis shoes to go do that because working in a restaurant, you destroy your shoes, and I didn't really want to, in my frugality, I didn't want to spend the money on, on expensive tennis shoes, so... I paid the price for that. I got plantar fasciitis really bad, so bad I, I couldn't stand up in the morning when I got out of bed. So protecting your feet with a good pair of shoes is important. And, and there actually are wading boots and stuff that you can go all buy. All kinds, yes. There are um, cleated with metal cleats and all that stuff. I prefer tennis shoes. They're more comfortable. They're light. Um, I also like the aspect that with, uh, they don't have cleats or felt. A lot of rivers... It is illegal to wear felt mm-hmm. bottom wading shoes because mm-hmm. of the contamination between streams. Yes. Um, and then cleats, I just feel like I'm really digging, disrupting uh, that river system. So Absolutely. I, yeah. And and I may not be, but that's just what I feel like I'm doing. So um, waders, once we get into, like, I'll say October, that's when I'll bust out the waders. So for going yeah. trout fishing or I've even been bass fishing on the river, um, uh, I like to have waders in. A waders on to keep myself dry and protected from hypothermia because a lot of times you are um, in places that you may not get help fast enough if you get totally submerged. Yeah, when you get in, into your winter months, that's definitely when I switch to waders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even early spring, you know, early spring coming out of winter, early spring. And what is a waiter? Why don't you describe that a for waiter, somebody that may not know? Most of them are going to be made of PVC type of plastic. Um, they're going to be waterproof. Yeah, you know. some, there's neoprene too. There's neoprene. neoprene yeah. yeah. Um, you'll get wet with those you can i mean there's there's all kinds of different types um but the pvc ones that i'm talking about it's a plastic and the seams are going to be taped um you know they're going to be attached to a boot so you have a boot you know a rubber boot we'll call it a rubber boot that that helps people understand a rubber boot and then um you're going to have that that waiter continue from the rubber boot again you have hip waiters so they stop at the hips where you could lash them to your belt so they don't fall down and then you can get up into your chest waiters 
and uh, it's going to come up to your chest. They, you know, it's going to hold up over your shoulders where it's holding them up. Yeah, it's kind of um, like a, a set of bibs, but they're yeah. waterproof. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And um, you know, and you got to be careful with both. If if you're going into water that that's cold and you're wearing those for that reason, mm-hmm. um, especially chest waders, there's some danger, real dangers that come with that. Yeah, I mean, if you go into the water. Fill them up. Fill fast and, and keep Hard. you underwater. Yeah, you can't swim. You can't come up with those. So yeah. uh, there are some dangers with those as well. But we definitely weren't wearing those because it was, uh, what, close to 100 degrees? Um, right. So it felt good. But even even with that, we we got a little bit hot. And when you hit those areas where the springs were flowing into the river, it was like, oh, that cold water feels so good. So good. So mm-hmm. good. Um, so where, where would you even go do this um, is probably the next thing that people are wondering uh, for us, we just went a few miles from, from my house here, um, and, and we're fortunate to live here in the Ozarks because we have streams and creeks around every corner. I mean, even most people that have private property have some type of uh, at least a wet weather creek or stream on them. So there's so many around, um, but we went right in the middle of town. There's a stream rolling right through the middle of town, and, and we drove to a parking lot park, you know, walked 100 yards to the stream and, and started trekking. We did. And when you're thinking about location, you also have to take into account, am I going to park and then hike in? And am I going down river? How far do I have to come back up river? Mm-hmm. You know, where you and I, we actually dropped a vehicle at one location and then we started at another and ended up back at our vehicle. So right. we kind of planned that out. And that, Two that, vehicles makes that easier. Yeah. For sure. Trip logistics is, is, was, key yeah. for that you know if you don't have that option then but you can also just drive as close as you can get to to that river access to a hole and just go up and down right there and fish and just get right back to your vehicle you don't have to go i mean we probably went i don't know mile and a half two miles we we yeah. made a pretty good little trek but see we went downstream correct and so and there with areas, the flow there's areas you can get out of the water and, and hike quicker on land of course but mm-hmm. there's some stretches you couldn't and so you have to add that into your time of what you're doing if you're going to be literally hiking up any kind of waterway right so up meaning upstream where the water's pushing against you it's definitely going to be harder and take longer so have a plan know where you're going yeah and just if you're looking for a place to go just ask around um maybe some parks where you're at have streams and stuff going through them and and ask the people running the park hey can we can we get in that stream are we allowed to, to wade and to fish into that stream um i know some uh, there is a, a privately owned park that you and I guide fish at that you're you're not allowed to wade and get into that stream. There's some places that people are protecting the integrity of that stream because mm-hmm. we do have oils and sunscreens and contaminants on us um, that some places won't let you get in to contaminate that stream. Right. So, but yeah, right. just ask around where you can go, and it doesn't have to be a big stream. I mean, we have wade fished and fished in, in streams. You, you could cast everywhere you want to, but there's something about getting into that stream and actually almost feel like you're a part of it right and we're we're probably talking more about creeks and backwater rivers you know um it's it's not a huge river system where you you can't walk in it right you want to find a place that's about something you can stand on one side and throw a rock across to the other Mm -hmm. side yeah kind of thinking that size correct if is that a good way to no, it is. The yeah, if doing. you can, if you can, well, I don't know. I've got a pretty good skipping arm, so. Oh, gosh, get out. I mean, if you're a major league pitcher and you can throw 400 feet, we're probably not talking about that. But, but no, a creek. I mean, it, yeah. it is. It's it's creek. Um, some of the areas that we go, we have the backwater that comes in. It, it can kind of turn into that river size. But we're talking about small rivers and creeks here that you're, you're in knee-deep water. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
let's talk about what we were chasing. What were we looking for? What were we trying to catch? The species of fish. Um, I, to this day, if you've listened back and you've heard um, kind of my introduction to the outdoors and, and my favorite uh, thing to fish for uh, is smallmouth bass. So when I'm out there, that's what I'm really looking for. There are other things you're going to catch along the way, and there'll be mixed species of bass, but that's really what I want to catch. I want to get that big smallmouth bass. And if on the biology side, um, that's really a trophy to me. Um, smallmouth bass of all the species of bass, they grow the slowest. It takes approximately eight years for a smallmouth bass to grow to 18 inches, which is going to be about a three pound fish. So really nice fish, huge fish for the river. Um, you know, if you're at the lake, it's going to be your medium quality fish, but it takes a long time. So to think of catching and tricking something that's been living in this small stream for eight years, uh, that's kind of my goal to get that two to three pound smallmouth bass out of the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only place I've actually seen that is the Buffalo River in Arkansas, and they require it to be 18 inches before you keep it. Mm-hmm. So it does break my heart if I was to see somebody keep a yes. 18 inch smallmouth. I have seen that. <laughs> I have. An eight year old. Um, if somebody is taking a knife to a eight to 10 year old smallmouth, I have to look away. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still nauseous when I'm looking away, not because they're cleaning a fish, but because of, of, of what it's taken for that fish to get to that point. Yeah. For me, wade fishing, I want to catch everything. Yeah. You know, I, there's no, I, I only want to catch this because that's what wade fishing is for me. I'm not usually going wave fishing to catch a fish to eat it mm-hmm. and most of the time wave fishing i'm not going to catch my personal best because they're not going to be there however yeah. there's a small chance so there's a little excitement of maybe there's a nine pounder in here largemouth because there could be yeah well I, there could be and just um i guess it was a, a few weeks ago my dad caught a, a 24 inch largemouth which he didn't have a scale but we're guessing you know probably that seven and a half to eight and a half pound range largemouth bass out of, of a river that you could wade in mm-hmm. uh, so is the possibility there absolutely it is but uh, more than likely you're going to get a lot of bites that's a really cool thing about wade fishing you're going to get a lot of bites there's right. usually a lot of fish um smallmouth um spotted bass some of these other species that are are in there are pretty uh pretty active pretty vicious and you're going to get a lot of bites so it's a great place to take family friends novices kids it's a great place to go um, and there's even more reasons for that that we'll get into when we start talking about gear, um, why it's great for really anybody any of any level to do. Um, but you and I have both actually taken our sons to this stretch and, and avoid fish with them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I started taking my son um, when he was, uh, if you know what a, a ergo baby carrier is, it, it is a baby carrier and they, they sit in your chest. Now I carry my tackle pack there, but when he was really small, Hayes, I, I would put him on my chest in the ergo carrier and my tackle on my back, and we, we'd go out on the river and, and catch fish. So, that's so maybe that's why he loves fishing so much now. I don't know. Maybe. It was probably a little selfish because I just really, really wanted to be out there, and I was in charge of the baby that day. But anyway, it got us on the water. Um, so what, what were we catching when we were out there? Uh, we caught, we did catch smallmouth. We did. Nothing big, none of the, no. none of the big eight-year no. old ones. Uh, a lot of goggle eye or rock bass. Goggle eye or rock bass. We caught mm-hmm. a lot of those. Um, actually, some of our bigger fish were those. Um, were. What What's cool about them, they bite. They've got a pretty big mouth for the size of fish they are. They're really beautiful, the red eyes, and, and, and uh, their scales kind of have these black markings, and they're really beautiful. They're fun to catch, and you can usually catch a lot of them. 
but they also eat really good too. Mm-hmm. No, they are great to eat. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And we have before, and we didn't on this trip. No. Again, we weren't going to, to catch and keep. Um, we're just going to catch and release and, and explore and have some fun. Absolutely. Now, in the fall, something I like to do is to put on my waders and get my fly rod and go to streams that have trout and try to catch rainbow trout. So that's another thing that you can do. That's another fish um, that you can get in small streams, get intimate with, get right there. You can actually see them and try to present your fly and, and get them to bite. Um, and, and trout are known for being, uh, especially as it gets colder and colder into the colder months, they're known for being pretty active and biting. So another great way to go uh, catching, not necessarily, we'll call it fishing, but it's a great way to go catch. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, another is actually saltwater. I've done a little bit of it, not very good at it. Um, there's a lot of people that love to go wade fish in saltwater. They're going to catch snook. They're looking for trout, um, even flounder. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can you can fish shallow. So, and there's probably other species as well. But wade fishing isn't just for the Ozarks. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, <clears throat> really anywhere that you're at. Uh, if, if you have access to water that, that you can walk into um, and access fish, it's a, it's just a really fun way. You don't you don't have to have a boat. You don't have to have a kayak. You don't have to have a canoe. You don't have to have a bass boat, uh, a flats boat. You don't have to have anything. Mm-hmm. Get get your get your rod and reel. You only need one. Go out there and, and spend some time uh, in creation, and you you really probably learn more um, about those fish and their environment doing it that way than you than you do even in a boat the expensive equipment wouldn't you say yes you can fill water temp really quick on your legs (laughs) you can (laughs) whether it's super cold because you got a spring coming in or man we found some areas that we had hot water and stagnant and kind of felt gross to stand in right you know so and you'll see all kinds of different things in the river where the water's flowing hard or where mm-hmm. it's kind of come around a bend and then it's cut out and backed up into a little slough. There was even some algae blooms going on in there. Mm-hmm. Um, one area that was really interesting was you could feel underneath this shelf rock where the spring was coming out. Underneath it was really cold, but the top layer of that water was had an algae bloom going on and it was so hot, you know, 85, 90 degree water. Um, and there wasn't a lot of action, wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't many river organisms no up there, in that area there, there weren't fish there because we could see i actually got hung up <laughs> right there so i had to wade across and uh stepping over there you could feel that cold spring coming through on your on your feet but at your knees it was hot right and you know i didn't i didn't bump any fish out nothing it was kind of a dead area yeah and something we we normally catch and we didn't on this particular trip we saw some but we never caught them uh, actually some of the biggest fish that we saw were were largemouth bass um, and they they were mixed in there too uh, had a couple little ones bite but didn't get them in but we saw the biggest fish that we actually saw were largemouth but we we not, didn't catch any of those those bigger class fish right um not this time not this time they're they're Next waiting time. they're waiting for us for for another day so gear what do we, what do we take with us What's fun to take? What's easy to take? Do you have to have anything special to go out and do this, or can anybody do it? You don't have to have anything special. You do have to have a fishing pole and some tackle, though. But I like to add in extra things. I, I am a minimalist, but I do love to bring... I love gear. I love bringing stuff. <laughs> I like, That's arguable. <laughs> so I tried it this time. Um, and the reason I brought this this device, this thing, was because I really thought we were going to be in a lot deeper water majority of the time that you and I were in knee deep water, it got to times where we were barely in ankle deep water. But towards the end, we actually got to that deep water that I like to tread this. So I took a boogie board. And the reason I took that was because 
at the time I didn't have a chest harness. So a lot of people that are wade fishing are that carry their tackle in some sort of backpack or chest pack, right? And my chest pack at the time wasn't working. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna rig up a waterproof box to keep my tackle in so it stays dry. Well, that led to me then putting it into a backpack and then I'm like, I didn't want to carry that backpack. And I thought, you know what? I want a floating device that I could just do my work on. And then if I needed that flotation device. Some people use inner tubes. For I could that. use it. Right. Some people use inner tubes. Yeah, there's all kinds of things to grab. The basics though is you need a fishing rod. Yeah. Well, tell, say what a boogie board is, so people are trying to picture what that is. A boogie board, uh, it's going to be, I don't know, two. It's, it's, yeah, it's maybe three feet long. Three feet long. A couple feet wide, but it, it's really used for uh, down at the ocean, right there in the shallow surf on the beach. You can run and skim across that, that surf, and it's got a little lanyard that can attach to you. Yeah, yeah, and I attached it to myself, kind of pulled it like a little boat. Yeah. Um, it wasn't ideal. Scared I, the heck out of me. Oh yeah, it did scare him a few times because it gets away from you. It'll it'll definitely float on its own and and go downstream when you're yeah, standing when, still. When you're standing there focused on fishing and something solid bumps into the back of you, you're like, "What's going on?" <laughs> that happened. That happened to him a few times. Made him tough. But uh, I took that. I probably wouldn't do that again. Um, I do like to to keep it minimal and really just having a few lures on the chest and some sort of carrying device there. Having your fishing rod and a good set of whatever to cover your feet that's really all you need yes i and that and that's part of the reason i love weight fishing you know uh, in my boat i have compartment after compartment and box after box full of lures and line and weights and hooks and a rod box full of 15 rods and when i go to the river i take a, a little tiny pack you know six inches by six inches i put it right on my chest uh, and i actually only brought one type of lure that's it i brought one type of lure and i have thousands mm-hmm. um so it's really light it's not heavy uh still gonna get bites and catch fish i actually caught more than ben uh, i got kicked we'll... i got whooped yeah yeah i tried everything i had um brian did great that day i do want to add in though there are, there are some things there are things you need that we didn't talk about you do need a, a pair of sunglasses for sure and polarized would be the best way to go um that is so that you can see into the water um, we'll be talking about hazards and things coming mm-hmm. up, but it allows you to see so much better. So I would always carry a pair of polarized sunglasses. Yeah. And you and I, you know, we, we fish a lot. We're outdoors a lot. So we, we do spend a couple hundred dollars on, on nice polarized sunglasses, but you don't have to do that. You can go 20 uh, bucks to Walmart for yeah. 10 or 20 bucks and get polarized glasses that are going to do the job. One is going to protect your eyes when that sun on a hot summer day is beating off of that water, it can be very, very bright and actually damage your eyes. So one, you're protecting your eyes from that. Two, you can see, like Ben said, hazards that are going to be in the water because you're going to see in the water further with polarized glasses. It's cutting that glare. And then my favorite part is sometimes you can see the fish mm-hmm. and watch them bite your lure. And there is something about that, the whole visual aspect of that, that is just, it, it takes that experience to the next level. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, some other things that people take as a net, a lot of people will take a net. Some people will take a stringer if they're planning on keeping their fish as Correct. well. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And if you are keeping your fish, you can literally tie that stringer off to your pack or your waist, shorts, whatever, put your fish on it, and then they're in the river with you as you go. So they're staying alive and healthy. Um, even so much that if you got to the end and you decided, you know what, I only caught one, I don't really want to keep it taken home, you can release that fish. They're, they're still healthy to, to I've be done released. this before too. There, I knew there were going to be areas that were... Um, so deep that 
I didn't want to go under the water and swim. Oh, so you caught a big one and let him pull you through it. Exactly. No, that would be so fun. <laughs> no, but um, if you take dry bags, um, you can actually use those as a flotation device. So mm. some people will keep their cell phone keys, things in like a 10-liter size bag. And the way that you you actually bring air into that before you cinch it down and, and make it waterproof. Right. But then it'll float, and they'll use that as a device to help them swim across or get to the other side. So there's so many different awesome. I was just there's a lot of gear out there. A lot of I love gear, so it's all cool. But find what works for you and take it out and try it. Yeah, let's let's talk rod and reel for a minute. You know, I there have been times where I'm wade fishing, even on my little tiny pack. I'll take a small extra rod, so I'll actually have two, and that one's Velcro to me or maybe uh, on my back or something like that. But most of the time, and on this trip, I only take one rod. Uh, something I really like to do is take a really tiny fishing pole, an ultralight, so it's the lightest, flimsiest action rod you can get. I have one that's only four and a half feet long, and that's probably my favorite fishing rod to take on the river because every fish, even if it's only six inches big, feels like a monster and it's mm-hmm. so fun to fight and then when you do get a real big fish on say a three pounder it really is a challenge to land that fish to keep it on and get it out of uh the tree or whatever uh, other structures there and to get that fish and and land it and be able to hold it and take pictures with it yeah because you're probably using four pound six pound test mm-hmm. so you want to you want to really set your drag to allow right a fish talking test your you're talking the weight of your fishing line so this is mm-hmm. light easy to break fishing line uh on this particular trip i actually took a six foot six uh it's actually a medium light action rod so it is light enough that i can throw a little 16th ounce weight but it's heavy enough i like to skip my baits and i knew because the the water was down there was going to be a lot of targets where um, to get into those deeper holes where these fish were sitting that i needed to skip my bait so i took that rod with enough backbone to skip but yet light enough to cast a, a small 16th ounce river bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on 16. I on use six eight, pound test. I use the eight, uh, an eight ounce bait, eight. Um, an eighth ounce bait. That's which is probably why Brian uh, beat me that day. Is that what it is? Uh, that's, that's what we're gonna what attribute gonna go it to. With. Yeah. Um, so other things that I always always have and never leave at home is gonna be a set of pliers. And like Ben mentioned, um, a dry bag. On your pliers, something I re- recommend is having some type of lanyard that you can fasten them to you. You know, it, you're in the water, so it's a little bit of a challenge. Um, you don't want to drop anything. Um, you want, if you're using them, you want them to be able to hang there and then just grab them again real quick. You don't have to worry about losing them. So some kind of lanyard to actually fasten them to you. Yeah, I guess thinking through all this too, you want to be knowledgeable enough to be able to swim. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking, do people take life jackets? They probably do. They, if, if you are not a great swimmer, um, that is definitely something you can, you can slap on a life jacket. They even sell life jackets now that have actually compartments on them to store. Yeah, um, fishing ones, tackle. Yeah. yeah. So well, awareness of your abilities and the abilities of the people with you is mm-hmm. the first step of safety. So having that awareness, um, maybe even a throw bag, which is a, a throw rope that if you need to throw somebody a line, you could. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the dry bag, why are you taking a dry bag? Well, because I took my cell phone, uh, my wallet, my keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even took some granola bars, um, things that I don't want to get wet. I yep. want to place inside my dry bag. Yeah, and, and on the granola bar, the, the nourishment side, water is a good thing to take, whether it's just one water bottle 
or maybe you're bringing uh, some kind of filter that, that you can drink the water that you're there with. But um, in the heat, knowing how long you're going and how long you're going to be away from water, at least having water in your vehicle, that if you had to get out and get to that water to, to take care of yourself, that you should have some water with you. Mm-hmm. We I mentioned that I'm using a 16-ounce weight. So I'm going to tell everybody my river secret bait. You ready for this? Give it. Share so it. I use a little tiny Ned rig, which is a little tiny 16th ounce jig head. And I take a, a Cinco. Well, Cinco is actually a brand, but uh, a soft stick bait. So it's just a straight kind of thick worm. And I cut it in half and I thread it onto that hook with the open hook. Uh, my favorite color for the river, What, which is crazy about this, is that I don't use this color on the lake at all. I only use it on the river. And the reason is because it doesn't really perform for me on the lake. It hasn't. Mm -hmm. On the river, it always, always, always performs. It's also very bright so that I can see it. And that it's called sweet tater pie. So it's kind of an orange and black. And I cut that down to just two or three inches long. I thread it on the hook. It is the most simple bait. I love that it skips. It's easy to cast. Uh, It doesn't get hung up a whole lot when you're using that light of a weight. Um, And it produces it catches guard on it is there a weed guard on it there is a weed guard on it so a little wire kind of going out over the hook that's going to help you um if you're thrown into wood piles or or areas that there's grass in the water that kind of stuff yeah yeah i i did something similar but i didn't have that color and i found that it was actually that color that was really producing for you i I was not going to share with you he didn't share guys at (laughs) all until we were done he said you want one now the the truth is is that you were a little stubborn and you wanted to go through all your stuff and then at the very end you put one on i did and and i caught uh yeah i caught a few on the uh the very end with it um but yeah i tried all my stuff i I took my so what did you try what are some other things that do work on the river because my little orange sweet tater pie ned rig is not the only thing that works it's just my favorite i call it my river secret it's not really a secret but what what are other things that are good and that you did try and typically do produce so wade fishing tubes tubes are great i mean you can use them on the lake river but small tubes Mm -hmm. um that tube you're gonna have to insert your hook your weighted hook into that um so tube fishing is awesome for the river. Um, I mean, honestly, Texas rig anything. You can Texas rig little baits. Yeah. Definitely try that. Um, it makes it weedless for you or the kids or whoever's using it. Um, I didn't find it very effective for me that day. Right. So um, your style of fishing was performing better. The theme here is, though, small. Small, yeah, light tackle. Right. Um, I even tried um, some crankbaits. You know, crankbaits are great. You can find, uh, even down the Walmart aisle, Rebel has all kinds from yeah. bumblebees to crawdads to little baby looking fish. So and that's something fun too. You can, you can, uh, especially for kids, you can let them go pick out something, something kind of crazy. And a lot of times on the river, it, it is going to work. So, yeah. uh, yeah, little tiny square bill crankbaits, right. but, but small things like that usually work really well. Again, as you're out there, you're going to have to figure out like any fishing circumstance, what are they chasing moving baits or do they want something on the bottom that's just kind of sitting there and i was having to fish really really slow almost just letting it sit there before i got a bite and i found that too i was fishing too fast i even tried what's called swimming meadows it's a moving bait i even tried that tried some grubs um again all small profile real small um Mm -hmm. the only luck i had with them was they bit off the tail (laughs) you know they just kept ripping the tail off and that was it so i switched it back up to to that net net rig style of fishing and then of a morning or of an evening, something that's really fun. And you can kind of, as you approach the stream, you'll be able to tell if it's something or not. But if you see fish actually coming up and, and surfacing, popping the top of the water, uh, small topwater baits 
like a buzz bait or a little walk-in spook or something like that. Again, size down, smaller. That's a really fun way to catch them. We were in the heat of the day. We weren't seeing any fish coming up, so we didn't try any topwater, but I have had incredible, incredible days on a stream fishing some some topwater, um, maybe on a cloudy, rainy day or uh, of a morning, of the evening in most days. Yeah, and topwater bait will actually work all day long. You just have to find that fish that wants it. So that kind of gets back into wade fishing that, if you're, we could use bigger baits, but that means we're probably going to catch bigger fish, which mm-hmm. is awesome. But you're not going to catch all the small ones. But you're there so. to get bites. That's part of the exactly. that's part of the stream and the wave fishing is you're you're going to get bites. You're there to catch a lot of a lot of fish. Right. And, you know, we were out there for I don't know maybe three hours. We covered that mile and a half too, and we caught well over twenty fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fun. That's a lot of catching. And honestly, it was kind of a slow day on the river. It was because I even netted a craw. So it looks like a crawdad. I even tried that, put on a Ned rig, tried it. Nothing. Nothing. I was shocked because, yeah. I mean, I and just. crawfish is the main forage for it these is. fish in the, and in the river. It is, and something about the worm and something about orange that day, um, the color orange was successful. Every day. It's the river secret. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's it on tackle. Just keep it simple. Any rod and reel, push button, uh, Snoopy pole, it really doesn't matter. It's the river. Go out there. Use what you have. Uh, I do recommend light line. So and that's what I want to add. If, even if you're using a Snoopy pole, yeah. switch that out. Switch that line out for your kids. Mm-hmm. Right on the opposite side of where you're buying the Snoopy pole is line. Yeah. Buy four pounds, six pounds. Yeah, the line pound. they put on those pre-strung it's ones awful. isn't worth keeping. It's yeah. twisted. It's got memory in it. It's all yeah. bound up. But get some four pound, six pound. Put that on there, and they'll be able to cast it better. They'll mm-hmm. be able to catch more fish. It's lighter, thinner. and fluorocarbon too. So you've got your different. You've got you braid and monofilament and, and coated. There's so many different types of line, but get get your straight fluorocarbon line. It's going to be pretty invisible in the water and this clear water streams that you're fishing. Uh, the feel with it is really really good because uh, there are there's no stretch to it. So you want to feel that bite. It's actually better for the fish because if if you're taking somebody that's novice or a kid. Um, and there's current if you're not feeling the bite a lot of times what happens is that bait gets too deep into that fish and you're actually killing it mm-hmm. um, so being able to feel the bite and get a hook set so you're hooking it in in and around the mouth and and not into its uh, stomach throat gills point. and all that yeah. um, is important and, yeah. and fluorocarbon is going to give you that better feel that's good really good so Something I really want to stress, Ben, and I know you talked about this actually when we were out there. Man, we need to share this with these people um, on our podcast, and you're so right, is the things that you need to know before you go. And we're really talking about about hazards, your awareness before you go out there to keep yourself safe so that you come home in the same condition you left in. Definitely. You know, land. Start with land first. What are my hazards on my land? What are the hazards in the water? Yeah, you got to cross some land before you get in in the stream. Yeah. Our number one that we went through was poison ivy. It Absolutely. was everywhere. I mean, and I'm very allergic. And he is. I got none. I'm not. You're good. We made it. We identified and stayed away. So that's what you want to do. Identify the plant. Stay away. Don't touch it. Um, And but we waded through a lot of aquatic vegetation. You Mm -hmm. know, so keeping your eyes peeled um, for what plants might harm you there. You know, stinging nettle is another one you're going to find by any kind of waterway. Yeah. If you're like us, we were in shorts, had shoes and sandals on. Um, If you walk through stinging nettle. It will burn. It will yeah. not feel very well. So the point of that is just to take some time before you go to know what could be out there, and then you need to be able to identify that clearly. Mm-hmm. And just staying away from everything is one route you could take, but you're going to pass up opportunities if you do that because, like Ben said, there's a lot of things that we walked through. We can identify. We know it's safe to walk through, so we went ahead and walked 
through it. But when I see poison ivy, I'm staying away from it like the plague. So much so that where we thought we were going to exit back to the vehicle that we left on the end of our trip, we couldn't get out that way because there was so much poison ivy. So we kind of backtracked and went a different way and, and found a clear trail out mm-hmm. to another clear trail so that I wasn't getting uh, the poison ivy on my legs. Right. So plants, you know, looking for your plant hazards. Then also your animals. So in this case, we're, we are looking for snakes. We're keeping right. our ass pill for, you know, cottonmouths, yeah, copperheads. Venomous snakes in particular. You're going to see water snakes probably. Most streams you're going to have, that's the most predominant snake species out there. You're going to see them. Um, they're not super shy. So you're going to probably have that encounter. But if you, again, if you know it's a water snake, then your your time is better spent. You're you're yeah. enjoying yourself. You're not completely on edge. But there are venomous species that love streams. Be able to identify them to keep yourself safe, to keep yourself sane. So your mind's not just going all over the place all the time thinking that everything that moves is going to kill you. Right. It's just having the awareness for sure. Then before you go, always know what the weather's going to be. Weather's a great one, yeah. We... Is there a storm coming? These small streams, especially here in the Ozarks, flash flood really hard. You do not want to be caught in a river system uh, when flash flooding is coming. Uh, you don't want to be caught in the water when there's lightning coming. Uh, if if you know a storm is coming, then you need to plan to be uh, toward the end of your trip or have a place for shelter in between there so that, that you can take cover so know what weather's coming Mm -hmm. know the snakes know the plants um and then you want to kind of uh i said we went in an urban area and we observed along the way um i smelled sewer we were in the stream and i said man i smell uh sewer and for those of you that don't know i used to work um in engineering and the main thing we worked on was sanitary sewers so so human waste um, and, and that smell is so familiar to me. It's ingrained in my mind. As soon as I smelled it, I knew what it was, and I, we were in the stream. And I thought, man, that does not make me feel very good. Hmm. It really doesn't. And then we started to see what? The lines. The, the lines. actual I sewer mean, we were, lines. We were tripping over them, actually. We were actually tripping, climbing over mm-hmm. exposed sewer lines. A lot of times, they're going to try to put them underneath the riverbed so that they're not right there in the water that people aren't seeing them however the the stream had eroded away the covering we could see these sewer lines we could even see sewer lines that were completely busted and broke from flooding and they had to redo them Mm -hmm. so knowing that we're in an urban area knowing the smell that i'm smelling and we're seeing those now we're starting to say well you know what let's make sure we're not getting not touching our faces let's make sure we're not getting water in and around our mouth First thing we're going to do when we get back to the house is get in the shower. Mm-hmm. We're not going to eat. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to get showered up. Also, we started to discuss, well, you know what? We're catching some of these nice rock bass, some nice goggle eye. We're not going to keep them. We're not going to eat them. Could you probably cook them and eat them and be safe? You could, um, but we weren't starving. We weren't on alone. We didn't need food. Yeah. We were going back to a house with a full fridge, so we didn't keep those fish and eat them. Um, uh, maybe further several miles down the stream out of the out of the city we may have done that but right there we were i wouldn't recommend doing that so be aware of those things those things that you're observing uh, are you in an urban area are you 30 miles out um, away from all that even another thing is areas where pastures are running into the stream if you see cattle and i have i have experienced this i have seen cattle in the stream defecating and peeing right there where i was fishing yep uh, yeah, many so times. You need you need to be aware of those things. You do. Um, you know, the hazard happen. side also is um, 
this offends people sometimes, but uh, it is a program that we have taught before. It's called People or Pigs, mm-hmm. and there is trash everywhere. Yep. You know, um, something you can do is gla- take a trash bag and pick up a little bit. Along you definitely the way. can. Yep. You know, from glass bottles. You found it. Yep. A lot of broken glass bottles. Um, you know, when I take my kids to a creek, to a river, I always have them wear shoes, of whatever kind. Don't care. They're gonna protect their feet. Some parents may say, you know what, I love that my kids are barefoot on the rocks. When it comes to those those public use areas where a lot of people can access, mm-hmm. there's a lot of broken glass. We even found a lot of metal, like just from, rebar. From flooding. Yeah, from a dumpster. Flooding. We found there a dumpster. There was a dumpster down there, just off to the side that had floated down from previous floods. Um, you know, hooks. You know, we we thankfully we didn't break off and leave any behind, right. but. You can. That's what happens when you're out. So if you're wade fishing, protecting your feet is so important because there are a lot of hooks, broken glass. Uh, you can definitely find a lot of steel metal, you know, parts, old, rusted, all kinds of things in those waterways. So right. take care of your feet. One other thing on the safety side and the hazard side that I want to talk about is the sun um, and, and the particular clothes that you wear. Um, one thing, just in, in the name of drying off and being comfortable, definitely wear synthetic clothing. Uh, don't wear jeans, cotton, any of that. Wear synthetic clothing, polyester. Even just if you're just wearing your swimsuit, that's great. But I also like to wear uh, a synthetic long sleeve shirt, and I love to wear a hooded one. Mm-hmm. And you may say, well, that's hot. Well, I'm in the river, so it's getting wet. It really isn't that hot, but that is fully covering my arms, head, and neck. I wear a hat with a bill covering my face and sunglasses because when you're in that cool water, you don't realize the effect that sun is having on you, especially if you're actually getting all the way in and your skin is being cooled, you can get burnt really, really severely, blisters, sun poisoning, all of this, because you don't feel it. So sunscreen, I'm actually not a huge advocate of sunscreen because if you read that label and all those chemicals, I don't even know what they all are. So I choose clothing to cover me more than I do sunscreen. Yeah, and we're not against sunscreen. We use it. I've used it a lot of times. When I use sunscreen, I'm usually putting it on my ears and nose. Yeah. Those areas that get hit the most. But I, I, I use it in those areas too. I just don't – something about covering my whole body in it. So I'm not against it, but I do – it's just a personal choice yeah. that I make not to minimize use, how minimize how much, how much I use. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing to consider is access. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, there are areas that uh, may uh, – maybe many, many people have been entering and, and leaving this one area – um, but it could be off limits. Yeah. Could and you'll be. see that because of a trail or maybe you see people there, but yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of areas that say no trespassing that people trespass. Yeah. So, um, make for sure that, that it is an area that you are legally able to use. Right. Just for, because an old man owns 2000 acres and he never checks, uh, down there by the river does not give you the right to go there. Right. It's, it's their property. Now, if you go knock on his door and you ask him and he says, yeah, sure, go ahead. Then by all means. And a lot of times they will. So, Go ahead, look up, see who owns it, and ask. But just because it's a place that nobody checks doesn't give you the right to go there. Um, access it access it through public accesses, which you can look up online through whatever your state agency is. You can find those points of access. Um, also, you should know your, your laws and rules because um, even as you're traveling down a stream, you're going to be passing private areas, public areas. When you're wade fishing, I know here in Missouri... Property owners don't own the water, right? Correct. They, they don't, don't own, own the, the water. water. However, if you're standing in the water and you're touching the river bottom, bottom. they do own that land underneath it. Mm-hmm. So you could be trespassing, 
and not even really knowing it. And that seems like kind of a technicality, but there are people out there that, that may prosecute on that. They do. And we've, we've actually experienced that here locally that um, people were trespassing yep. and they weren't cleaning up after themselves. And the owner had... Had, had to shut that it. down. Yeah, yeah, had to shut it down, which which stinks for the rest of us. To have to know? get law enforcement involved yeah. in enjoying the outdoors, just this doesn't seem like something that goes well together. So just go about it the right way. But there wasn't a public access to that private property. And so all of it was private. You had to go through private to get to that waterway, mm-hmm. which made it all, all private. Um, you know, there's going to be the exceptions to that rule. There are public areas that are in between privates, and it gets kind of slippery slope. But if, the, if you see purple, we've talked about this before about purple saying... No Purple trespassing. Paint, yeah. It's just private. Um, go get permission or stay out. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So those are just some things to consider before you guys go out. Um, you should be safe and protect yourself. Um, the other thing that we really enjoy, we love fishing, but just spending time in the outdoors and the experiences you have along the way, rivers are just an endless supply of exploration and adventure and so the things that you see the wildlife that you see the areas you get to explore while you're out there is just another huge bonus to weight fishing it is because i love deer and we happen to see some really nice bucks on the bank across from us mm-hmm. um, and we're getting close to fall and that itch is coming on so being able to see those those nice bucks up close like that was really cool um, what are some other things that you may see or that we did see? You know, we saw what, what we call the river crow. You know, there were several of them. They were actually talking. I feel like they're talking to us. They're like mad at us. Yeah. We were we were calling back and, and having fun there. Um, but then also on the waterway, it's it's after a flood. Um, they're actually a fish crow. Fish crow. There fish you go. Crow. Yeah, I always call it river crow again. Maybe myth minutes episode coming. Yeah. Um, but uh, after a flood, you know, the waterways change. So you and I have told stories before. Hey we caught a really nice smallmouth in this pool. Let's go check it out. And we get there six inches deep. Yeah. It's, it's no longer deep. It's just six inches. Cause it had filled in from the flood. So mm-hmm. man, those things are just changing every year. Um, you and I found an area where the waterway split into three. Yes. And you were kind of like, which way should we go? Which way has, yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's hit all of them. But we went right down the middle, you know? And I think as we came back out, we, we, we tried the other side, and tried yeah. another spot. Um, so just exploring, playing, you know. Um, Even looking for that <clears throat> that secret fishing spot, you mm-hmm. know. Especially in these public access areas, they get beat up pretty hard, and that can make the fishing more tough. But if you're willing, again, if you know the plants and the animals around that are hazards, if you're willing to do that exploration, find that slough, maybe where water has been left from a flood and it's back there, that there may be five huge fish plugged in back there that you can go catch, and they're easy to catch because they haven't been pressured. So I love trying to find that that honey hole, that sweet spot. So I love, like, I see a little water. Do you hear water moving over that little hill over there? Well, I'm going to try to get over that hill and see if there's anything back there. Right. Well, that's good. That, that's really fun. I've even caught fish species I didn't know were in the river because I found some of these these back slough areas. And that that's just really cool to have those extra experiences that you weren't expecting. You know, I love finding the springs along the way. And, and you can feel that by your feet and your mm-hmm. legs. I mean, you quickly tell where that cold, cold, cold water is coming in. So, again, just exploring. Yeah, sometimes you can follow those to, to caves and, mm-hmm. and, and, and find other amphibians, salamanders, and, and just to explore. Maybe you even take a break for a few minutes from, from fishing, or maybe you find a cool place to come back to to go camping. Um, who knows? Who knows what you're going to find? That's, that's one of the bonuses of being out there. But you could see beaver, which we didn't see any beaver, but we saw some beaver activity. We saw, you know, some chew sticks we, that we they sure chewed did. on. Mm-hmm. Um, turkeys will oftentimes fly over the river, and they'll fly right over your head, close and intimate encounters. Turtles, 
you'll see turtles, uh, birds. We had this 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 pair of green herons in front of us, and they kept bumping in front of us. They just fly up 50 yards, and they were kind of I don't know if they thought we were going to disturb fish that they could catch, but I said, well, they know we're going that direction. Well, maybe they didn't. Why don't they just go behind us 50 yards and they don't have to mess with any mess with us anymore? But kingfishers and great blue herons and bald eagles, uh, you you see so much. There's so much life surrounded around. I mean, all Here's life starts that, with water. It is. Here's one that's fun is, is as you're walking through the water, you are turning up a little bit of that silt, that, that bottom. Plankton, yeah. And so as, you, as you're doing that that plankton's coming off those minnows that are in there will actually congregate around you and your legs Mm -hmm. and they will come up and i'm gonna call it nip there's no blood (laughs) no bite no nothing but you can feel them tapping on your leg you know coming up and and you're truly right there in it with them which is so fun yeah you're you're basically a fish in the isn't that a type of therapy isn't there a therapy where you can put your yeah they have doctor fish (laughs) yeah they'll actually eat like your dead skin off your hand it feels so not in the river though not in the river that don't happen here yeah, but get get out and, and see what wildlife you can see and what adventure you can find. Take your kids and, and go out there and, and do a little exploring. So we love the river. We hope that through this you've maybe gained a little confidence to go out and explore yourself knowing that you don't need a whole lot to go do this. So go go find an area. But uh, let, let's share a couple of our favorite stories and what rivers really can do for, for people. So before I could drive, me and my buddies love to wade fish like you're talking about. We did it. Every summer, you know, it's we'd, we'd gather at a place and, and hike. It felt like miles and miles. We probably didn't go that far. But one memory that sticks out the most is we went into this this area that wasn't fished very frequently. It was, it was um, kind of spooky looking because for those of you listening, if you haven't been wade fishing, um, it may be because you're kind of nervous to get out into that water. And for those that have wade fished, you probably have felt this nervousness as you're hiking through the waterway Mm -hmm. because it isn't just crystal clear water right you're going to be walking through sometimes vegetation um the 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 aquatic vegetation as it's growing up if you've ever felt that like touch your legs you know um as you're walking through the water you'll feel like bubbles come up you'll feel like uh you may a branch touches you you know there's a lot of fear that takes place in a in a second well when we were out we were walking through uh the river bottom in this area was kind of silty and sandy Mm-hmm. Which, for some reason, that's where all the, like, decaying leaves and sticks always settle on the bottom. And as we're walking through that, you know, it's kind of, that stuff is kind of churning up and bumping across your legs. It's just real slight, but you go, man, I hate walking in this stuff. Just because of that uneasy feeling. It is. It's uneasy. Well, and I want to add to a hazard, there could be leeches in that. So, Good. anybody wade fishing, if you come out, see leeches, pull them off. Get rid of them. But No big deal. No big deal. But you can watch for leeches. Um, but in, back to my story, like this area had a lot of aquatic vegetation in the water so it makes you feel real uneasy walking through it because the number one thing on your mind is snakes uh-huh. it's just there's got to be a snake that lives in here matter of fact on our trip that you and i just went on um i was stepping off to an area and had that that snake itis in that moment we'll call it and a frog a leopard frog jumped got me pretty good <laughs> he got me real good but back to this story um, you know, you kind of had to, to toughen up and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going through, I'm going to grit it. So, and we did, and we would, we would walk through that aquatic vegetation, but that would allow us to get down to this big bend and this big bend, deep water. Um, I remember like yesterday I was using a the rebel big fish are always around the next bend. They are always around the next bend. Um, I was fishing a, a rebel crawdad crankbait, which those are so awesome. Should have tried one on this trip, yeah. but, um, a rebel crawdad crankbait. 
we were fishing on, on this bend, big pool, big deep pool, and cast it in, had a bite, jerked, started reeling in, and it was a really good fight. It fought really hard, but I felt it, it felt different, and I was like, why is it doing this? Well, long story short, finally got it in, it was a catfish, and it was the first time that I'd ever caught a catfish on a moving bait. I didn't know they did that. That's when I learned it at, I don't know, before I could drive. Um, you usually thought you had to be on the bottom. Yeah, you had to use the stink yeah. bait, had to lay down there, and they had to come by and eat it. Yeah, this sucker pounced on it. It was so much fun. Um, and so it was a great, yeah, a great learning experience, a great memory. Um, it was just a channel cap. But the end of that story was that on the way back up, we had to walk back through mm-hmm. the vegetation. And there's that vulnerability coming in like, I really don't want to do it, right? So as you start making your way to the plants, <clears throat> I looked down to my right, and what at first I thought was vegetation wasn't. It was a snake. That snake had part of his tail under a rock. He was coming all the way up with his head out of the water looking right at me. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like in that moment, it looks like the biggest, nastiest snake on earth. Mm -hmm. It's just like it's wanting to kill you. But I had that fear in me, and I literally high-tailed it out there. I was stepping so high. I was stepping out of the water so high, and I... Literally was running on top of the water. <laughs> you felt like you were. Yeah, I felt like yeah. it. But, you know, as I was coming back down, I was still in that vegetation. I mean, the heebie-jeebies <laughs> were all over me, dude. I just wanted out of there so fast. But it was a great day. It was fun. Um, built a lot of character that day. But in hindsight, you know, since it was under the water like that, that it was probably just a, a water snake. Hindsight, I know exactly what it is yeah. now. now. I had yeah. no idea then. Yeah, it was just But even snake. now, to look down and see that, you might you might jump a little bit. I still would have jumped, but I wouldn't have been trying to to get out of there that quick. You wouldn't no. have been playing Jesus walking all Yes. Water. I mean, the heebie-jeebie came. It, it gave me that, that scare feeling. Whew. So for me, the, the story I'm going to share, and I don't mean to call, call anybody out on this, but they're family, so I'm going to share it in, in the name of helping others here um, and just talking about the impact that it, that it can have. Uh, my brother-in-law... He wanted to to go fishing. He hasn't fished a whole lot, a little bit, but he really he was in town. He really wanted to go fishing. What better place, like I said, to take take a novice? Let's go down to the river. We'll, we'll get some bites. We can learn. Um, and I had been down there recently, and it was really really good. So I I thought he could catch some nice fish. So we went to one of my favorite holes. We were there in the you river. You actually showed him your your favorite fishing spot. Yeah, he lives somewhere else. He's oh, okay, not okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we're we're there fishing, and he catches a really nice largemouth for the river about a, a 15 inch largemouth bass and he gets it in he's excited but he's kind of doing the novice he's holding the line with the fish there dangling off the end of the lure and i said i said david gra- grab the fish you know grab grab the fish and he says no i don't like to touch him i don't like to touch him and i thought oh my goodness i said just touch the fish please just touch. no i don't want will you help me and i said no get you caught it go ahead and release the fish knowing you know, he's not in panic. It's just kind of an uncomfortable thing for mm-hmm. him. We can we can get through this. Well, next thing I know, this fish flops and shakes and it falls off of. So it came off the hook. Came off of the hook and is laying there on the ground on the flopping. gravel, kind of flopping. And yeah. I said, all right, David, now it's about the fish, not about you. And you could just see the immediate change in him like, oh, shoot, it is about the fish. So he put his rod down, picked up this fish without hesitation and released it back healthy to the stream. Good job. You know, mm-hmm. we're ca- we find out when we kind of push our limits, we find out what we're capable of. We push through fears, we push through boundaries, and as humans, we 
are divinely created and we are capable of so much more than we think we are. We are. You and I didn't think we could sit and talk on a podcast yet. Here we are. We can break through those fears and those boundaries. It just takes that little push to do it. And I was so proud of him in that moment. He was proud of himself. And now it's a great memory to look back at that picture and, and have that story to go with it. So go out, have those experiences and grow and learn. Yes, please do. Brian just talked about, uh, last thing I want to share, Brian just talked about that fish flopping on that bank. You know, for anyone listening right now, if you're going out and catching that fish, try to minimize that. That hurts those fish. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not good for them at all. So that's what's cool about wade fishing is you can take them off the hook while you're in the water. And and if you do drop them in, then they're back where they should be. So just be so careful about about letting them thrash and flip and flop on that bank. Yeah, try not to do that. Don't do that, yeah. So I hope that you guys are encouraged by this. I hope it sounds like we had fun because we really did. And I think uh, this week we're probably going to have to have another trip out. We to need do to go. That. Yes, we got to wait fish one more time. One more, it gets one more cold. time before it starts gotta to get go. cold. There's just something about being wet and, and the summer heat and sun beating down on you, but that cool water. Um, and you could stay out there all day because you're not getting so hot. I mean, you got bring some water to drink and, and get out there um, and enjoy yourself. So I hope that you guys will go do that. Uh, please follow us on social um, as we're posting our podcasts and content throughout the week. We love to share um, videos and experiences and things that we've learned and what our families are doing. So follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok even. Um, We do have a Patreon. So if you love what we're doing or just want to support us, we'd love for you to become a patron. Uh, We have $5 and $10 options uh, to support the podcast a month on there. Um, Also, whatever platform you're listening on hit that automatic download button so each time a new episode comes out it's downloading Mm -hmm. Uh, we're getting the credit for that we would love for you to listen each time it downloads and we would love a review we love that feedback we mentioned that that we're thankful for that leave us a review Um, i don't know if it does or does not help us move up the charts on the rankings but it it makes us um, gives us an awareness of how we're doing let us know how we're doing um But between now and next week, we just ask that you go out, find a stream. If you've got to go buy a cheap pole, don't spend a bunch of money. Get some fluorocarbon line, some small baits, find a friend, and go out and enjoy a stream near you. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.